Hi, this is Pastor James Strickland, and you are listening to our sermon cast for Homeland Park Baptist Church. Today we're talking about comfort zones, and I know the minute I say that, you're getting uncomfortable. I have too. Uh, This is not a message that I'm preaching at you. This is one that I have to live with as well. And so, as we jump into this, let's talk a little bit about comfort zones. You see, Jesus places us into positions that challenge us to come out of our comfort zone. Many of you have been in that situation. And those places can be intimidating at times, can't they? They can be scary. But the thing is that he remains with us and he teaches us great lessons throughout this whole experience. Well, there's some science actually behind the comfort zones. And on a website called lifehacker.com, Alan Henry and Rebecca uh, Fishbein wrote an article entitled, The Science of Breaking Out of Your Comfort Zone, Why You Should and Should Not. And in this article, they give evidence that uh, of the fact that we all know that most people like to be comfortable in their lives and in their surroundings. And i got a great example for you. We've all seen it before. We all saw it this morning, right as we started. We see it every Sunday morning during the welcome time. That's what I love about being up here. Y'all think I can't see nothing? I can see everything. I mean, it's, it's like the crow's nest over everything. And so uh, it's for those who are raised in a traditional church who are used to the meet and greet time. Uh, it's a great experience. I mean, you get to talk. You get to walk around and talk with people you could have talked with before the service starts or say hello to the person you just finished a conversation with. But the truth of the fact is that some, that's the most uncomfortable part of a service. There are some studies that say that if a church does that, people will not be back because they don't want that type of interaction. It takes them out of their comfort zone. But those who are not used to that ritual are uncomfortable with it, and they just kind of grin and bear it. Or they'll, they'll do the fist bump, but uh, and there may be some germaphobes that try best not to shake hands. Uh, and, you know, they just say, sitting here praying the whole time, Jesus, please don't let anybody come over and try to shake my hand or talk to me. And that's okay. But I may be exaggerating a little bit, but the truth is some people are very uncomfortable in any situation where they have to get out of where they are. Some people are very uncomfortable, even in the fact that I'm talking about this right now. But here's the thing about your comfort zone and my comfort zone. Where is that? That's the place where your activities and behaviors fit a routine and pattern that minimize the stress and risk. And those of you that got some mileage on you, you'll know this. And those of you that are, that are racking up the miles will understand this. The young kids, they don't have a, a clue about this. But as you get older, you like your... What's it, what's it? it starts with the R. Routines. On Monday, we do this. On Tuesday, we do this. You, you can time the week by the meal that you're eating. And so, I mean, you got this, you got this, and then, oh, this is nap time. And then this is where I go home and have me time. And this is kids time. And this is work time. And, and I got all these little things. And I like it just like this. And then something happens. Boom. And that whole schedule. It's obliterated. I can think of one, I cannot think of one example in the entire Bible where God has called someone to stay where they are 
and their comfort zone. But the thing is, your comfort zone is neither a good thing nor a bad thing. It's a it's a natural state that most people kind of lean towards. I was talking with a young man earlier. He's a teenager. And uh, he said, you know, I just I want to feel normal again. And I told him, I said, well, define normal for me. And the thing is, is that your normal routine may not be the same normal routine that somebody else wants. Some of these guys, if they are awake, they got to have a ball in their hand throwing it or chunking it or shooting it or doing they got to have something to be doing something all the time. And some of you older people are saying, oh, that just exhausts me even to think about it. Many of you want to retire and get back in that recliner and stay there until the, the funeral home comes and takes you out of it. No, hopefully you're not like that. Because I'll tell you, when you get in that recliner, you'll never get out. But the truth of the matter is, is that we all like to be comfortable. But Jesus is not interested in our comfort. You see, think about it. In the Bible, Abraham, what did he tell Abraham? Get your family and go. Where are you going? Well, where are we going? I'll tell you when you get there. Okay? Noah, build an ark even though you have never seen a drop of rain. Because I'm going to be sending a flood. Moses, rebel against Pharaoh and those you love to lead my people out of Egypt. Jesus, leave your throne to be born in a cold, dark, secluded cave. Jesus, die a death for people who will not even appreciate it. Yes, God does call you out of your comfort zone today. He calls me out of my comfort zone. Why does he do this, folks? So we will trust him. So we will trust them. These storms that we go through, they test our self-reliance. They test our strength and our understanding. So the question is, are you willing to get out of your comfort zone today? The people in these miracles that we have been looking at and we look at this morning are people that needed peace. But Jesus knew the only way they could get that kind of peace is for them to get out of the comfort zone. My friend, if you are seeking peace in your life, but you want to find it in your comfort zone, you will not find it. Jesus doesn't work like that. Let me show you why. The first thing is, we need to find your way out of your comfort zone with faith. You need to find your way out of your comfort zone with faith. And before we we read verses 23 through 25 of Matthew 8, let me give you a little bit of context. You see, the great thing about walking through Matthew 8, as we have done over the last few weeks, is that we have a greater idea of the context to which the Scripture is written. We know that Jesus was ministering to people, and great crowds were following them. I mean, this was a movement. And to be a disciple was to be a part of the greatest movement they have ever seen. This whole movement would have made the whole Elvis movement Look small. Or they would have made Taylor Swift look like an amateur hour sing-along person. I mean, this was all, I mean, this was the thing that was happening. Everybody wanted to be a part of it. And they saw Jesus teach with authority, heal a man with leprosy, heal a Roman officer's young servant, and heal Peter's mother-in-law, and cast out many who were demon-possessed. And we learned last week that Jesus told them that all of this is great, but I want you to understand there's going to be a cost to following me. You may not see it now, but there will be a cost. 
Little did these disciples know he was about to give them a great object lesson on that fact. With that, let's read verses 23 through 25. Jesus calms the storm. It says, then Jesus got into the boat. If you like, if you're an underliner or a note taker or a highlighter, just underline the fact Jesus got into the boat with them. And he started across the lake with his disciples. And then my favorite word that the New Living Translation uses is in verse 24, suddenly, suddenly a fierce storm struck the lake with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. I don't see how, but he was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. So what can we take from that? Number one, the saying Jesus is with you is more than the cliché. Like if I were to tell you in the midst of your uncomfort right now, in the midst of your storm, I was to tell you Jesus is with you. And they say, yeah, yeah, I hear you, preacher. That's the problem with us Christians that have been believers for a while. We know what the cliches are. We know what the Bible says. But we've heard it so much that we feel like it's not for us. When it is. Jesus was in the boat with the disciples. Jesus is in the boat with you. This may seem like a simple interpretation, but it may be a profound one. Jesus is in the boat with you. He arranged the boat. He prepared the lesson. He got you to the point where you needed to learn the lesson. And he gets in the boat with you. You know, I really appreciate those who lead people and those people that lead me. I have people that lead me and I appreciate it when they say, you know what, James? I'm not going to ask you to do anything that I won't do myself. Or haven't done. And then when you see that play out, you're like, that is awesome. That here is somebody that's leading me, but yet they don't, they are not too prideful to do whatever. Jesus didn't say, yo guys, get in the boat, I'm gonna stay on the shore. He didn't say, do as I say, not as I do. Jesus told him, get in the boat, I'm gonna get in the boat with you. And so when Jesus asked the disciples to get into the boat, remember, he already knows there's a storm coming. He will ride it out with you, and there's nothing that he will ask you to do that he has not gone through himself. Here's the next thing we see, is that we cannot stop our storms. We can only endure them. We cannot stop our storms. We can only endure them. We've had a lot of chatter lately about storms. Coming from Wilmington, we heard a lot about storms and Went through some hurricanes, not nearly as severe as what they just went through, but category twos, category threes. It's scary. You gotta prepare. Some people board up windows. Some people just get out of town. But the truth is, is that we cannot stop the storms. We have no power to stop the wind. We have no power to stop the rain. We can only endure them. Suddenly, that word suddenly is an intersection at the Bible. It is an intersection. An intersection that you and I come to every single minute of every day. And that intersection is that intersection of your will versus God's will. Suddenly is a word that means I'm cruising along doing my life the way I want to do it. And then boom, something happens. Suddenly. God breaks through. The word suddenly occurs in the Bible 101 times. 
And the word prepares the reader to think God is about to do something. My friend, if you've been through a suddenly or you're going through a suddenly or you're about to hit a suddenly, I'm telling you on the other end of that word is God is getting ready to do a work. You can prepare for suddenlies. Just like the weather service does its best to predict bad weather and to prepare people. You can make sure that you have flashlights, fill your tubs with drinking water, get camping equipment, a generator, or leave town, whatever you need to do. But the truth is when the storm hits, all one can do is endure it. And when a storm or weather storm of life hit us, our preparation is key. But it is no replacement for Jesus. My friend, if you go to church every time the doors are open, and if you read your daily bread every day, and if you go to Wednesday nights and you do everything and you go to concerts, you do all and you do all of these activities, it will prepare you, but those things are not a replacement for clinging to Jesus himself. A piece of curriculum won't save you. And i got news for you. God's word is precious. But God's word leads us to the one who saves us. It is Jesus. And Jesus is in the boat with us. And even expected storms can take us out of our comfort zone. See, the thing is, the Sea of Galilee was like a big bowl. The Sea of Galilee was this large body of water that was surrounded by hills. So it was nothing for the wind to just sweep down and they could have a severe storm just like that. And look at the Bible's text. What does it say the storm was? The storm was fierce. My friends, when we endure storms in our life, they are often fierce, are they not? They're relentless. The storm struck the lake. And the waves were breaking into the boat. Now, I've been in a boat. I had a, a Don and I were out with a friend last year, and he decided to go from the intercoastal waterway out into the Atlantic Ocean down at Carolina Beach. Now, the waves on the intercoastal waterway are one thing. But when you get out into open water, trying your best to hold your lunch down. And so he thought he was going to be smart and take a quick turn, and I swear my ear touched the water. And I'm like, turn it around, go back, I'm done. Now, if it had been a bigger boat, it would have been better, but, you know, hey, we laughed about it. He said, oh, I was in control all the time, but I saw the look in his face. He was not. It was funny, but I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it scared the mess out of me. Because I was out of control. I had no control over what that boat was doing. I had no control over what that wave was doing. And my friend, there are times in life when those waves will come Throw you around and your ears going to touch the water and you have no control and all you got to do is go with it. But my friend, I know this, that Jesus, thank God he was in the boat that day. <laughs> Jesus take the wheel, the boat and the whole thing. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's one thing to have that illustration. It's another thing that when we finish here today, you got to go back and get in your boat. But my friend, Jesus is with you. Jesus was there, but he was sleeping. He was comfortable. He was in his comfort zone, and the disciples were not. And and speaking of comfort zone, I don't know if you get this when you read this passage. What were most of the disciples? Fishermen. And not just 
hey, I'm going to go get my fishing license and fish off the pier. They, they fed their family with fishing. They, they, they filled their wallets with fishing. They were deadliest catch type fishermen and they were scared. That tells you what kind of storm it was. What does that tell you and what does that tell me? It tells me that no matter how good we think we are, there is always something bigger, nastier, and uglier out there that's going to force us to call to Jesus. Things that we cannot handle in our own strength. So that brings my next point. Turn to Jesus for help when life gets uncomfortable. Maybe I'm making too much out of this, but I just think it is amazing That it says the disciples woke Jesus up. Do you get that? The fishermen came to the end of their own confidence. And they now asked Jesus, the one who they had seen do miracles in the lives of many others, finally asked Jesus to work in their life. Why is that for those of us that are are church members, whether it be our church or another church, you've been raised in church, we think that all of God's provisions and blessings are for those that are lost. They are, but they're for us too. But we're too self-reliant and too spiritual and religious to think we need it. That's why people are not getting serious with the Lord. That's why people are not taking their sins seriously. That's why we are having churches packed with people but see no difference outside of the walls. It's because they think all of this is for somebody else. I'm going to live my life my way. My friend, Jesus is in the boat with you. And even the disciples, they said, maybe this guy that we've seen do all of these things for other people... Maybe there's something he can do for us. Oh, and he did. They shouted, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. Why is it so easy to expect to see God do something in the life of others, but not really think he can help us? Fear drives you out of your comfort zone. Fear will always drive us out of our comfort zone. And some people handle it in different ways. Some people look to addictions. Addictions to substances, addictions to lifestyles, addictions to self-destructive behavior. Some people look to other people. Some people look to other things. Folks, all we have to do is ask Jesus to help us when we are out of our comfort zone, and he will. He shows us this with the disciples. The next thing we see is that only Jesus can control the storms. Only Jesus can control the storms. Because he commands them. Let me give you a little illustration. Some of you have been here a while have heard this story. Some of you that are fairly new. You may not have heard of it. But yes, when I was a wee little teen, I got my first speeding ticket. I was not proud of that. And it was, it was probably the, the whole distance of the trip maybe was a quarter of a mile. Basically, I went down the hill to meet my friends and they were there. And as I was going down that hill in a Chevrolet Monza, if you don't know what a Monza is, Google it. It ain't much. It's like a, a mix between a Chevette and a beat up Nova. But anyway, and, and don't, don't be impressed that I got a speeding ticket. The, 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 the area was a 35 mile an hour speed limit, so I might have been coasting at 45. Downhill. But that's okay. That's not the point of the story. I took that home, and, and I don't know if you've ever, if you remember your first speeding ticket. Well, I know we got Baptists in here. None of y'all have gotten speed tickets, just me. I'll make sure the lightning doesn't strike. But the truth of the matter is, is that I, t- I finally told my parents, 
And then the next day, my mom takes me to court. And I'm looking at the sheet, and that's not the date. She takes me to the courtroom. She sits me in the office, and she has got an appointment for me to see the judge. So I'm sitting here in the waiting room, wide-eyed, and I see the guys walking by with matching orange jumpsuits and those nice bracelets and anklets. And I'm thinking, man, they got a space for me. I mean, I didn't know what was going on. And then so the lady comes in and says, the judge will see you now. I'm like, okay, come, come on, Mom, let's go. She goes, no, you're going to go in by yourself. <laughs> I look like a whipped puppy dog going to that, that, that courthouse or that courtroom. And I sat in the judge's chambers. And the, judge's cha- the judge started talking to me. And I don't remember anything the judge said other than, I'm going to take away your ticket. But this is your warning. <laughs> Praise Jesus! But the, the, the truth of it is, I was just amazed. I found out later that my mother got with the neighbor who lived beside us. She worked for that judge, and that's how all that got. Mama, you got me on that one. But here's my point of that dumb story. My point is, the judge forgave the ticket because the judge had the power to do it. Jesus is with you in the storm. And Jesus can calm the storm because he has the power to do it. It says in verse 26, when Jesus responded, why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he got up and rebuked the wind and the waves. And suddenly there was a great calm. The disciples had seen a great faith in the life of the Roman centurion. And risk it all for Jesus to heal his young servant. But now we see the little faith of the disciples. Notice this. Who or what did Jesus rebuke? Was it the disciples or the storm? It was the storm. So many of us are afraid that if we go to Jesus, he's going to rebuke us. So it's kind of like me. I don't want to go and see that judge. There are people that do not go to church Right now, because they don't want to deal with whatever they think that God is going to get them on. But the truth of the matter is, Jesus didn't rebuke them. He did say they had little faith. But he rebuked the winds and the waves. Jesus will not rebuke you for having little faith. He just wants you to own it. He wants your faith in him to grow by calling out to him in the midst of your storms. And then in verse 26, there was another suddenly. It says, suddenly there was a great calm. So just as suddenly as the storm came, suddenly the storm left. And after the storm, there was calm. Jesus is waiting on you to wake up your faith in him. Just as the disciples woke Jesus up, Jesus is waiting on you. To call to him. And then the the third thing that we see here is that Jesus is the one to get you out of your comfort zone and sustain you as you go through it. Only Jesus can do this. Only Jesus can pull you out of your comfort zone. And you think, what are you talking about? Oh, I see it every day. How many times have we asked people in our church to do something? They say, oh, preacher, I can't do that. 
I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too busy. I'm too this. I'm too that. (laughs) Who are you to tell God what you can't do? Who am I to tell God what I can't do? We're going to be starting children's church next week. We're going to graduate. A couple of our little little boys are going to be up here. We're going to give them a little certificate. And they're going to go back and we're going to have people teaching them the gospel during the message time. We're going to have, those little boys are going to be out here during the worship. They're going to get to see you. They're going to get to shake your hands. They're going to get to do all that stuff. We've got a sign-up sheet in the back. And the same people are signing up. Nobody knew. Nobody over the age of whatever. I guarantee you, if it's your grandkid in there, you'd be doing it. If they came to your house, you'd be doing it. Or wherever it may be, prayer meetings or, or, or church attendances. If you wanted to be there to get out of your comfort zone, you would. But you don't. If you want to get out of your comfort zone, Jesus will help you with that. And here's the thing I love. The disciples did not fully understand Jesus, but their faith in him made them stronger. Y'all, I am not perfect. And I got news for you. You're not perfect. But here's the thing. Don't you get comfort in knowing the disciples who were with Jesus that saw these things were still struggling to get who he was? Jesus places us in a position that will challenge us to come out of our comfort zone. Those places can be intimidating. They can be scary. But he remains with us and teaches us great lessons through the experience. Jesus calls you into the boat today. Listen to me. Every eye, every ear. Jesus calls you into the boat today to take a trip, to pull you out of your comfort zone, to give you a hard time. No. To grow your faith. To trust him more. To love him more. To serve him more. But to do that, you've got to get your eyes off the waves and back on Him. So your out-of-comfort zone experiences will help others who are in their own storms as well. Let's pray. God, thank You so much for Your Word. Thank You for Jesus showing us through the disciples. The Lord, when the storms come and hit, Lord, that our normals are no, no longer normal anymore. I look back at when I wanted my life to be normal, and I have grown so far from where I was at that point in my life, I thank you so much that you pulled me out of my comfort zone. It's made me a better husband. It's made me a better pastor. It's made me a better friend. It's made me more committed to you. And it has grown my faith more than I'd ever seen. And I've seen that not only in my life, but of the lives of many in here. And there are some that are walking through trenches, Lord. But Lord, your strength, is sustaining them. And I pray that in your time and in your way, you will speak peace to them as well. But Lord, if there's somebody here that loves their comfort zone more than they love you, I pray you deal with that too. That you make that comfort zone not so comfortable anymore. And let them walk out into the deeper waters of faith. 
and to cry out to you. And there may be somebody here today that would say, I don't know Jesus as my Savior and Lord. He's not even in my life. He's not even in my boat. That I am lost like a boat without an anchor and the storm is about to take me under. I am not a disciple, but I want to be. I want to be a follower of Jesus. All that takes is you forgiving, getting forgiveness of sin, repenting of your sin, owning your sin, and asking Him to forgive you. And He will. And if that's you today, when we have the invitation, I invite you to come forward. If you don't want to come alone, bring a friend. But know today that Jesus is in the boat of your life. And many of you who are here today that are believers, you think Jesus is asleep? He's just waiting on you to call out for Him. May you do that today. You can come to the altar and pray. Join this church, get baptized, whatever the Lord puts on your heart today. Would you be obedient? Because we're not promised that this pull will happen again. Would you please stand?